can all live in harmony with our planet and reduce the risk of having to suffer future crises like this one. The world is in crisis mode. Join the 2020 Global Teach-In Tuesday, May 26th on this Pacifica Radio Network station. 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 Pacific. More information at globalteachin.com. All right, and this is WBAI New York, 99.5 FM and WBAI.org online. The previous program was Advocating for Justice with Arthur Schwartz, which is heard Mondays at 5 p.m. It's 6 p.m. Stay tuned for the WBAI Evening News presented by The Independent. And I didn't mention it today, but I'm going to mention it now. Because it's a holiday, does not change things. 7 p.m., we go out to our windows to clap for all of those essential workers out there. Okay, with all that said, let's get on with the program. Stay tuned for the WBAI Evening News, presented by The Independent, coming up. Good evening in the news tonight. The Trump administration has imposed a travel ban on Brazil, which is now the site of a severe coronavirus outbreak. A federal judge has struck down a Florida law that could prevent as many as 775,000 former felons from voting. The New York City chapter of Veterans for Peace took their annual Memorial Day protest online this afternoon. In New York, I'm John Tarleton, editor-in-chief of The Independent, and this is the WBAI Evening News for Monday, May 25th, 2020. The United States marked a somber Memorial Day weekend as the official nationwide death toll from the COVID-19 pandemic passed 98,000. That is more than all the U.S. troops combined who were killed in the Vietnam War, both Iraq wars and the Afghan war. President Trump spent the weekend golfing and tweeting conspiracy theories and insults. On Monday, he laid a wreath at the tomb of the unknown soldier, at Arlington National Cemetery. For once, he remained silent. In international news, the Trump administration announced Sunday that it was imposing a travel ban on Brazil weeks after a severe outbreak of COVID-19 took hold in the South American nation. Brazil has the second most confirmed COVID-19 cases in the world after the United States. More than 22,000 Brazilians have died from the disease. Jair Bolsonaro, Brazil's far-right president and close ally of Trump, has dismissed the novel coronavirus as a, quote, little flu. He has also promoted the anti-malarial drug hydroxychloroquine as a cure for COVID-19 without any proof, dismissed his minister of health who disagreed with him, and clashed with governors and mayors who have shut down their states and localities to protect their people. In Great Britain, calls have escalated for Prime Minister Boris Johnson to sack his top aide, Dominic Cummings. The calls for Cummings' dismissal followed revelations that he had traveled across the country in April to his parents' home while infected with COVID-19. The country was under strict lockdown at the time, with people only allowed to leave their homes for essential errands. Cummings was swarmed by reporters when he emerged from his London home this morning. Cummings was swarmed by reporters when he emerged from his London home this morning. He was not wearing a mask. Good morning, Mr. Cummings. Did you go to Barnard Castle, Mr. Cummings? Did you go on a family jolly to the castle when ordinary people were obeying the rules and staying home, Mr. Cummings? Did you go to Barnard Castle, Mr. Cummings? Out, Cummings? out the way. You confirm that. Did you go back to Barnard Third? Out the way. Cummings. Ordinary people were obeying the rules and you were the government, Mr. Cummings. 
Johnson's conservative government originally downplayed the dangers of the coronavirus throughout February and much of March in favor of keeping the country's economy fully open. Great Britain now has a death toll of nearly 37,000, more than any country in the world except the United States. In New Zealand, Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern is calling for more three-day weekends to help revive the economy. A four-day work week, she notes, would give New Zealanders more time to travel within their country and bolster New Zealand's tourism sector, which accounts for one out of eight jobs. I have lots of people suggesting we should have a four-day week. Um, ultimately, that really sits between employers and employees. But as I've said, there's lots of things we've learned about COVID and just that flexibility of uh, people working from home, the productivity that can be driven out of that, uh, really encourage people to think about if they're um, an employer and in a position to do so, to think about whether or not um, that is something that would work for their workplace because it certainly would help um, tourism all around the country. Ardern has received rave reviews for following the advice of her scientific advisors and quickly shutting the country down to prevent the spread of the virus. New Zealand's COVID-19 death toll is 21. In national news, a federal judge in Florida has struck down as unconstitutional a state law that would deny the vote to former felons who are unable to pay court fines and fees they owe. In 2018, Florida voters overwhelmingly approved a referendum to revise the state's felony reenfranchisement laws and restore the voting rights of 1.4 million Floridians. The Republican-controlled legislature responded by passing the law that Judge Ronald Hinkle ruled was a, quote, poll tax. The law would have prevented as many as 775,000 ex-felons from voting. Here in New York State, Governor Andrew Cuomo announced that the one-day death toll from COVID-19 fell below 100 on Friday for the first time since March. On Friday, Cuomo announced he was easing social distancing rules to allow public gatherings of as many as 10 people. On Twitter, New York City Council member Mark Levine, chair of the council's public health committee, called Cuomo's action, quote, shocking. In a subsequent tweet, Levine said, quote, this order changes nothing about public health guidance. There is still significant risk to indoor social gatherings. Memorial Day is traditionally considered the beginning of summer and marked with barbecues and trips to the beach, as well as patriotic ceremonies honoring the nation's war dead and the armed forces they served in. Here in New York City in recent years, the local chapter of Veterans for Peace has marked the day with a solemn procession with a flag-draped casket, visiting local war memorials, and handing out flyers about how every death in war is an unnecessary one. They then go down to Washington, D.C. to deliver letters written to the Vietnam Veterans Memorial Wall. This year, they held the ceremony on Zoom. Former Army Ranger and Vietnam-era vet Tarek Koff said it was important to speak out amid the pandemic. This is the day when we remember those who have died, all those who have died, not just U.S. soldiers, but also the, the Vietnamese, the, the Iraqis, the the Afghanis, all the people that have died needlessly for these wars that go for profit and power and that do not have to happen. Meanwhile, we don't have proper medical care for the coronavirus. When we return after the break, we will speak with an Iraq war veteran who recently wrote an article for The Independent about how the gradual privatization of the Veterans Administration is harming the care veterans receive. Where have all the flowers gone? Long 
That was Where Have All the Flowers Gone by Kingston Trio. You are listening to the WBAI Evening News presented by the Independent, New York City's progressive newspaper and website, now in its 20th year of publishing. I'm John Tarleton, the Indy's Editor-in-Chief. You can find all our latest coverage at independent.org. That's independent with a Y. Now, WBAI is currently in the middle of a very important fund drive. I will share information about how you can help keep this radio station on the air a little later in the show. So please have pen and paper ready to go. And now we turn to our first segment. As the United States celebrates Memorial Day amid a pandemic, we look at the state of the Veterans Administration, which provides health care for millions of veterans in this country. According to our next guest, the VA is in declining health due to inadequate funding and a gradual process of privatization that is stripping the VA, of even more of the resources that it needs to do its job. Issam Ati served in Iraq from 2003 to 2006. He recently wrote an article for us titled, As COVID Rages, Will, there, As COVID rages, will the VA Be There for Future Generations of Veterans? Assam, welcome to the show. Hi, John. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks. Yes, thanks for joining us. Uh, so in, in your article, you write, quote, as I shelter in place in the American epicenter of the world's worst pandemic in 100 years, I'm worried the VA will be unable to fulfill its mission to care for future generations of veterans or serve civilian sector patients in a national emergency. Uh, can you elaborate what, on what's been happening at the VA that leads you to believe this? Absolutely. So there's a couple of major transitions that have taken place legislatively that have affected the VA quite dramatically. Um, The first was the Choice Act, which took place under the George W. Bush administration, which was uh, sold to the American people as or at least to the veteran community as a way to improve veteran health care by allowing more flexibility and choice for veterans so that they could go to the private sector under certain circumstances. Uh, But what that did was it froze a lot of VA funding uh, specifically for external care so that the VA no longer had as much funding to spend internally on its needs. Um, And not only that, but it actually made uh, getting that external care much more uh, laborious for veterans when they needed it. So the VA had its hands tied to provide care and then veterans had to jump through more complicated hoops to get care. 
the most recent iteration of this is something called the Mission Act, which was passed, uh, I believe, last year, 2019. And it is a further push to send more funds to the private sector uh, and thus sending more veterans to the private sector. Um, and as a result, further funding has been has been, uh, you know, segregated from the veterans uh, internal budget and is being forced to be spent outside the VA. Um, just... The other thing, the other part of that quotation was about uh, the, the VA serving the general public. And one of the things that people don't realize is the VA serves an integral role in pandemics and or national disasters by serving the general public. It's its fourth mission. And here in New York, all of the VA facilities during the height of the the COVID-19 crisis a couple months ago opened their doors to the general public when private hospitals were too overwhelmed to take patients. Mm. And and can you describe uh, what you've seen uh, when you've sought out care, uh, both at the VA and when you've uh, entered these private uh, networks? Uh, what, what, what are the results on the ground that you've experienced as someone who uses these services? Absolutely. So I've actually witnessed a couple of things. Uh, like I said, I, I, the the hoops that you have to jump through to get some of this external care is a bit more rigorous than, than the integrated system that exists within the VA. One of the things that's great about the VA is all of the all of the departments communicate with each other. All of your records are in one place. So if you see one doctor and go to another doctor, they know exactly what's going on. Um, what I had to go through to get care uh, one time when I was uh, waiting something like 45 days for an appointment was schedule my own appointment externally, and then that doctor uh, basically refused to deal with the VA on their own, forced me to take the bill. I ended up being the intermediary between the, the care provider and the Veterans Administration, and in the end, the Veterans Administration refused to pay the bill, so I got stuck with the, the multiple thousand dollar bill for this health care that should have been provided by the VA, uh, and that was under the CHOICE Act. Um, and one of the other things that I've seen since the Mission Act has passed is much, much more extended wait times in certain clinics. So uh, because of the funding uh, issues, the VA doesn't have the ability to staff properly. Uh, and not only does it not have the ability to staff properly because of lack of funding, but actually Secretary Wilkie has instilled a hiring freeze on most uh, veterans uh, network facilities so that they can't actually hire staff when they need them. So one time I went to see a gastroenterologist. I, I arrive on the floor that the clinic is on, and I see patients scattered about the hallway, overflowing the waiting room, sitting on the floor, and I realized they were all waiting for the same clinic, and that was because there was only one doctor on staff, and the Veterans Administration did not have the flexibility to staff the, the, the clinic fully at that time. Mm. If this is uh, reforming the VA, I'd hate to see what uh, dismantling it looks like. But um, something uh, uh, you've mentioned before is that uh, you, during your time serving in Iraq, you saw all sorts of uh, privatization within the, the, the military itself and the profiteering that went on. Can you describe that a little bit just to give us a sense of how what we're seeing at the VA is just sort of a continuation of – uh, other trends? Yeah, I think this is something that's been taking place at the federal government level for a few administrations now, um, and perhaps since Reagan. I, I mean, I don't know. I haven't been alive that long. But um, 
it's uh, when I was in Iraq, I noticed, you know, the, the military is, is designed to be fully self-sufficient, right? Uh, there's cooks and there's, and there's laundry specialists and there's construction and there's intelligence and there's combat and there's everything, right? Um, but when you, in the modern warfare, when you deploy, what you realize is companies like Khaki and Lockheed Martin and Northrop Grumman and Kellogg Brown and Root and Halliburton and, and all of these large defense contractors are taking huge sums of money from the federal government and government contracts to do the jobs that the military is trained to do. And the military, because it is a federal government position, obviously pays less than the private sector. So in the end, the taxpayer is paying significantly more money for the services that the military should be doing uh, to, to outsource it to the private sector. And that's exactly what's taking place now with the healthcare system, with the Veterans Administration. Um, there's a huge push for privatization because everybody uh, on the right seems to think that government is terrible and we need to and we need to shrink it at all costs. Um, but what's going to happen in the end is it's going to cost the taxpayer more money because private sector doctors cost more money than VA doctors. So if we shut down the VA and send everybody to the private sector, it's going to end up being a bigger burden financially on our already totally bloated deficit. Uh, not to mention the fact that private sector doctors are not totally equipped to handle the issues that the VA is is uh, equipped to handle. If I may, there's a there was a Rand Corporation study in 2018 called Ready or Not, and it basically analyzed the the effectiveness of the the private sector for veterans care. And one of the key statistics that was very interesting was. <clears throat> that each private sector primary care physician has somewhere between 2,100 and 3,400 patient panel, um, and about 1% to 5% of those patients are veterans. So all of these doctors that were interviewed as a part of this study were totally willing to take veterans because, of course, it's more money, right? But because they're only 1% to 5% of their patient panel, they were not willing to take the time and effort to, to do the coursework that would, that would be required for them to be fully knowledgeable of veterans' issues, right? I think uh, I've mentioned this before, but like imagine a veteran steps into a doctor's office complaining of chest pain. A doctor is not necessarily uh, abreast of the issues that veterans face in war, so they're going to think asthma or some sort of run-of-the-mill respiratory issue, and they're not going to think burn pits. And perhaps there's a, as, as a more devious sort of issue taking place that needs a different set of medical treatments Right. That they're just not equipped to uh, treat. Right. Well, we're going to we're going to have to leave it there. I mean, one other thing I just wanted to note, there's been a lot of uh, soldiers homes, including uh, one in Olyoke, Massachusetts, that's gotten a lot of attention where the covid uh, virus uh, ran rampant and aging veterans uh, perished in large numbers. I know some of that had to do with um, inadequate funding at the state level, but it, it mm -hmm. seems like uh, we really have a problem here with the commitment uh, our society made to the people who are sent off to these uh, wars has been forgotten or abandoned or people are just looking to you know make money on the side um, but I, I thank you for coming on the show tonight and, and helping explain this it's uh, it's a really troubling situation and, and I encourage everybody to uh, read Assam's uh, article which is currently featured on independent.org Thank you so much for having me, John. I would encourage people to check out the Veterans Policy, uh, Veterans Healthcare Policy Institute. They're they're a great resource for this. 
And also, if people are uh, ready to reach out to representatives, uh, Senate Bill 853, the Remove the Air Commission Act, is something that's very important. And, this, and if we can get rid of that particular piece of legislation, uh, that would be very beneficial for the future of the VA. Great. Thanks for sharing that. Thank you so much for having me. Okay. Thank you, Assam. Bye-bye. Okay. We will be back with more after this break. That was Breaking Into Public Space by the Church of Stop Shopping Choir. You're listening to the WBAI Evening News, presented by The Independent, New York City's progressive newspaper and website, now in its 20th year of publishing. I'm John Tarleton, the Indies Editor-in-Chief. Before we jump into our second segment, I encourage everyone who can do so to give generously to WBAI and keep this one-of-a-kind community radio station on the air and beaming its 50,000-watt signal across the greater New York area and beyond. You can give by calling 516-620-3602 or by going straight to WBAI.org. Again, that's 516-620-3602, 516-620-3602, or you can go to WBAI.org. Your support helps keep shows like this one on the air, so thank you so much in advance for your support. And now for our second segment, we have a special guest, Reverend Billy Tallon, founder of the Church of Stop Shopping. Reverend Billy has been breaking into public space here in New York for the past two decades, along with the Church of Stop Shopping Choir. They have performed across the city and around the world, including in post-Katrina New Orleans, Ferguson, Missouri, the Laboratory of Monsanto Corporation, and countless lobbies of Chase Bank. They've been doing it so long, Billy has turned 70 years old today. His latest column for The Independent on reopening uh, New York will go up on independent.org tomorrow. Billy, thank you so much for joining this ev- joining us this evening, and happy birthday. St. <laughs> John, I'm glad to be here. Thank you. Uh, yes. So uh, b- before we get into your, your column, uh, one thing I just have to ask after, you know, uh, listening to you and the choir there and thinking about everything that you all are doing uh, – What's your, what's your anti-aging secret? Uh, we we might try to bottle it and uh, sell it on this station before the fun drive is over. 
Well, I have a guy, I've got a storage uh, unit out in Canarsie, uh, and there's a Dorian Gray there that I. It's just an awful, pustulating mass of sores and evil, and uh, you know that is that is where my bad looks go. You know, so here I am. Okay, well, we're 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 thrilled that you're still with us and still uh, going at, at full tilt. So uh, you'll have a piece going up on the uh, independent.org uh, website tomorrow uh, with your, your take on uh, the, the push to reopen reopen the economy. Uh, you want to share some of your uh, main thoughts about that? Well, we see that Wall Street is locked and loaded. Uh, I've read that the concentration of capital right now in investment vehicles going to executives of major corporations for their for their for their reentry into our lives um, they are ready to just come in here the monoculture will wash through New York City just speaking for our efforts against gentrification uh, a lot of the a lot of the human scale businesses are certainly in peril um, at this time as as this big money buys whole blocks from us and, um, you know, has the ability to completely undercut uh, product prices with sweatshops and union busting. It's, it's, a, it's a dire time for, for the neighborhoods. Neighborhoods are made of human scale. Am I right? The, 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 the shops and service, services that we give each other are based on uh, a, a gift economy, a giving, and so the caregiving, which which is that's our our hero, of course, right now, and 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 uh, the, we're, the we're so grateful workers. to the caregivers that that is that is what a, a healthy neighborhood is made of. So there's a contradiction here. We're we're uh, the 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 goodness that we've discovered in each other right now to resist this pandemic is also the heart and soul of our city, which is our, which is our neighborhoods. They are in peril from these corporations coming in with their advertisements. And who's in the advertisements? Actors, actors who are being paid to uh, emote, and they're wearing scrubs and plastic gloves and, and masks. So we're, we're, in a, we're in a tough, tough, the next days and weeks and months are uh, – an opportunity for us to see in this crisis uh, a revolutionary response. And, and uh, but okay, and you, and it, it sounds like you, we're facing a, a bigger challenge than even we were facing before the pandemic. Well, I, I believe it's a concentration of problems that did exist, and that's the same thing that happened uh, after nine eleven. We, we had wars everywhere and then after 9-11 they got worse and uh right now what we have is a uh, sort of an internal colonization we have the wars there the perma wars are going on every day but we uh we are uh battered in the working classes and in in the in the uh middle classes we're we're battered among the the black and brown people and 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 the native americans were just we're just being uh, extracted by 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 the powerful. They're, they they see they see a source of income in in our destruction. I don't think I'm exaggerating. Right. I, I know that some of my listeners don't think I'm exaggerating. So we have to defend ourselves now. And I believe that that uh, with our little singing 
and and <laughs> our our little invasive, our little trespassing singers that we have here, our our particular way of being active is breaking back into public space. Um, we know that we have to do it in in a in a way that is bolder, uh, more startling to people, that really educates the people around us. Uh, we know that we have our work cut out for us. All right. Well, we'll we'll leave it there. Uh, Reverend Billy, we thank you for joining us this evening on the WBAI Evening News on the day of your 70th birthday. Bertha Luya, thank you so much, John. You bet. Bye, Billy Luya. <laughs> All right. You have a great night, Billy. Thank you. All righty. Well, that uh, just about wraps it up for tonight's show. I want to give a special thanks to Amba Gergarian and Renee Feltz for their help with tonight's show, help make everything possible. And again, a reminder to all our listeners, if you can, we know a lot of people are hurting these days, but if you can, please give to WBAI. Uh, You can go uh, to WBAI.org, or you can call – I'm sorry. uh, You can call – 516-620-3602, 516-620-3602, 516-620-3602. Thanks for joining us again tonight. We'll be back at the same time next week. Where have all the flowers gone? Long time passing. Where have all the flowers gone? Long time ago. Where have all the flowers gone? Young girls pick them, everyone. When will they ever learn? When will they ever learn? All right. And this is WBAI New York 99.5 FM and WBAI.org online. Uh, The previous program was the WBAI Evening News, hosted and produced by The Independent, and that is heard daily at 6 p.m. Stay tuned for Counterspin coming up. Um, 